busboy's coming. The busboy's coming. The busboy's coming? You don't mean here. Yeah, I just buzzed him in. He's on his way up. He's coming up. Yeah, I'll check you out later. Where are you what? going? I'm the one he wants. He's coming to settle the score. No, you three all know each other. There's no point in me getting involved at this stage. No, of the he's game. not gonna do anything. I guarantee it. Get out of it. Let him kill me. I, I, Antonio, Antonio, in here. Hey, Antonio, how's it going? Three nights ago. A gas main beneath the restaurant exploded, killing five people in my section, including the busboy who replaced me. <laughs> if I'm not fired that night because of you and your thoughtless, stupid, and sensitive remarks, it would have been me. Tim saved my life! <laughs> Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, Mr. Davis. We have finally made it all the way to the end of season two. It is the episode The Bus Boy. I am Dando, of course, joined by, as I just said, <laughs> Mr. Davis. Uh, but, <laughs> but you can call me Guy, anyone and everyone. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Guy Davis. So I can't believe we've made it all the way to season two. It's been a, it's been a slog. I mean, we've enjoyed the shows, but we're, we're, we have. It just, ta- it just seems like it's taken a long time to get here, so we need to promise our listeners from the get-go, from season three onwards, you're going to be getting this bi-weekly guaranteed in your ears. If you like yourself from Talking Seinfeld, come back every second Wednesday, our time here in Australia, and you're guaranteed to get a new episode of Talking Seinfeld. Because honestly, I got to the end of this, and we're currently reviewing season 14 of The Simpsons, and whilst it's fine, it's, it's enjoyable, it's entertaining... It's just so refreshing being able to go back and revisit this Seinfeld episodes because this show is just so great. And I feel like I'm mm-hmm. excited because we're just about to enter what I feel like many people consider the golden era of Seinfeld. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for what's, the, what's to come in season three. Yeah, we're only two uh, episodes into season 14 of, mm. uh, of The Simpsons. We're not disliking it by any stretch, but yeah, you can see a real difference when you go back to a show that is genuinely either really finding its voice or starting to fire on all cylinders, or both. And that's what Seinfeld's doing, uh, certainly with the Busboy episode, which, uh, yeah, I got a real kick out of. Enjoyed it a great deal. It wasn't... uh, It didn't feel as much like a season finale, I guess I could say, compared to the deal, for obvious reasons, because that was Mm. written to be the finale, which is why you had Jerry and Elaine still in love at the end and blah, blah, blah. I was actually surprised to see that this episode was recorded at the same time as the Pony Remark and whatnot, which was at the start of okay. season two. So this was actually filmed in October, but didn't air to the following June. That just seems like a long time in between filming and airing. That is, that is very interesting. Any reason why that's the uh, why that was the case? I couldn't find any reason. And hmm. considering the show or the season was only 12 episodes, it just seems like, I, I don't know whether they were constantly getting, uh, not put in different time slots, but maybe they were sort of one episode this week and then two or three weeks later, another episode. I have no idea. But yeah, June 26, 1991, it was filmed in October 1990. Wow. Who knows? Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> it's like a long time in between takes. But as you said, a very, very enjoyable episode. The first episode they wrote that intertwined stories. So Larry right. David credits this one for giving him the idea to do that because up until now, 
he had never thought, oh, maybe when Kramer's doing something wacky and George doing something wacky at the end, mm-hmm. they can come together. So, there was the moment at the end where Elaine's boyfriend, Ed, or uh, house guest, Ed, yes. uh, has a fight with uh, Antonio, Antonio. In, yeah. in, 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 the, in the hallway. And that's the two stories intertwining there. And that's what gave Larry David the idea, wait a minute. <laughs> we've got something here let's run with it and yeah. thankfully they did because that became the staple for Seinfeld episodes you sort of watched every episode going forth going how are they going to pull this all together because <laughs> they, they always they always found a way they did indeed yes yeah, so, just a very enjoyable episode this one uh, something that I read about the making of it or about the creation of it was mm. that the rest of the cast saw that Jerry, when it came to writing scripts, was fairly unselfish and fairly generous in terms of, well, it's not, the show's called Seinfeld, but it's not going to be all about Seinfeld. I think he recognised that he had some great comic talents in Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Jason Alexander and Michael Richards. He said, let's let them off the leash. Let's let them do what they do best. And... I imagine that would be kind of unexpected. You know, if you've got a, a stand-up comedian on the rise who gets his own show on a major uh, Amer- American television network, you would think that he might go, all right, it's the Seinfeld show and it's all about Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry's kind of going, no, not really. I think I can palm some of the duties off to these very talented people because he knew they could handle it. Yeah, I can't imagine Tim Allen writing an episode of Home Improvement and all being about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should have. That uh, old JTT was uh, the real star of that show. Oh, yeah, and he, he did it right, man. Got in, made his money and fucked off. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, people to this day, I mean, I was never a Home Improvement fan and <laughs> probably for the best, I was not a big Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan. <laughs> See, I, I, I liked Home Improvement as a kid. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Well, I mean, but I wasn't like... I didn't have teen beat photos of JTT up on my wall. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> but occasionally you'll see these articles you know, written by millennials who sort of grew up in that era going, what's he doing these days? Oh, wow. I, there's a picture of him, you know, walking his dog through LA. Exactly. Yeah, in his trackies or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's still got it. <laughs> you know, and, all, and all this kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, the other two, I don't know, I think one of them, I think the older brother kind of hit hard times or he- Yeah, he, he, um, he struggled a bit. Yep. Yes, yes. So, but but enough of a a, a tangent about uh, about the wonderful <laughs> coming, Jonathan. Coming Tom- soon, talking improvement. <laughs> coming soon, the JTT hour with Guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, but no. What, what 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 what's that? What's that? What's Mo's band? The Mo's is like and the what? So it could be the Guy Davidson. What what does he say when they're kids? <laughs> The most is like experience featuring Omar. featuring yeah the guy Dave's experience uh, the JTT experience featuring guy. Okay. <laughs> That's precisely uh, what anyway. it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the bus boy, you know, we talk about Jerry and how he was a very um a, a kind writer when it came to like incorporating his uh, his fellow stars. I also see it as a way of him going. I'm going to write an episode where I don't have to fucking do anything. <laughs> <laughs> that is the other way of looking at it, a perfectly valid way of looking at it, absolutely. Because what does he do in this? I mean, he's-, he, he's... he's Well, I've got here, I like that each character felt like they played a key role and had something to do. And even mm. Jerry, his role was to just sit back and enjoy the chaos that was unraveling around him. Very much so. And yeah, he, was, re- he was always relate- just there with like a... He was always just sort of there with that smug, I guess you could say vintage Seinfeld look of, 
you know, uh, Seinfeld seems like a nice guy, but he also does seem a little bit smug. And for all good reason, the guy's fucking almost a billionaire. He's yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, right? He's allowed to be. But it's just the character sort of sits there when things are going wrong and it's just got, it's almost like, you know, that meme where Michael Jackson's eating popcorn? Mm. It's like it's like Jerry in this episode. Watch your shit going down, sort of like throwing a few little grenades out there just to spur them on and going, all right, now let's enjoy this. <laughs> he is setting the cat amongst the pigeons. I mean, from the very beginning, really, at the uh, the restaurant where he's pointing out the guy with the baseball cap, I'm pretty sure that guy's wearing plugs and don't, yeah. don't, don't look, don't look, but, you know, look you know, subtly and all that kind of stuff. Or later when he's relaying the conversation over the phone and putting on the various voices. Yeah, it, it was it, – it was funny stuff from Jerry, even if he's on the periphery and not in the middle of it. I, this was also the first time that we saw Kramer and George alone together. Yes. And it made sense when I read that because I thought when that scene came along, I thought, this feels fresh. This feels mm. different. And I, I like that dynamic because they're so different, those characters. Mm. But yet, Kramer's that guy. He's that character where it's like you, you'd be embarrassed to be around him, but you'd also want him to have your back. He's he's very loyal as a character. As Absolutely, a yeah. George is kind of like this could go pear shaped, but I still kind of want you around in case <laughs> things do go pear shaped with this guy. Like I want you to have my have my back. <laughs> George seems uncomfortable with new people. Kramer yeah, never true. seems uncomfortable with new people ever. Yeah, yeah. so it's a good so it's a good uh, dynamic to have, particularly when you're Definitely. going to uh, yeah the apartment of someone like Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the guy who played Antonio, his name is David... Labiosa. Labiosa. Mm. Very intense. Not, it's Lebiosa, not Leb- Labi- Labiosa. <laughs> Labiosa. No, so, oh, no, sorry. That's a dumb Harry Potter joke for uh, for the Potterheads out there. David, I thought, very intense. Like When he's when he's venting in, um, in his apartment about the cat and everything, I was scared for George. <laughs> I was scared from... From the very beginning, though, because he's playing, he's using the silence very well, and he's using his sort of. There are boxing photos or boxing posters on his wall, and I'm oh, imagining that an, that Antonio might be like a bit of an amateur boxer or something, or a bit of a pro am guy. That's the mm-hmm. little backstory that I made up for him. I mean, maybe that was intentional with the uh, with the posters on the wall, but he carries himself. You know, he's got that very good posture. He's you know pretty well built. I'm like, oh god, this doesn't. This guy doesn't need to say anything to be intimidating. So, no, yeah, but then when he does get fired, I was like, oh, yeah, even more so. <laughs> so, it's a really nice swerve at the end, which we'll get to when we talk about the actual episode itself, but uh, that he turns out to be very grateful and uh, kind of friendly in his own yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, he was venting and he was angry that he left the door open, right? For good reason. Mm. I actually yeah. thought he handled it quite well. If someone came into my apartment who cost me my job and then they- <laughs> Broke my vase and they lost my cat. Yes. I, I, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> but I did like uh, at the start of the episode how these guys didn't have bad intentions, neither Elaine, neither Elaine nor George. No, yeah, not at all. No. Weren't being dicks about it at all. I mean, you know, George absolutely did the right thing. And he just said it in throwing away, oh, the bus boats probably put the manual a little close to the thing. Yeah. No, and, no yeah. big deal. No big yeah, deal. No yeah. big deal. And Elaine's like, oh, I'll never eat here again. And she's clearly got the Mrs. Monocle voice. Oh, no, oh, I'm scandalized. Never eat here again. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, for the uh, for the restaurant manager or the restaurant owner to overreact the way he did, yeah, it's wholly on him. But I guess that's a, a bit of the theme of the episode. No good deed goes unpunished. You know, no. So. Speaking of Julia, I was, thought it was interesting to read that she, because this is considered a very classic Elaine episode. 
She doesn't like the way she acted in this one, particularly the final scene when she's telling the story. Her deadpan stare, specifically the deadpan stare, she Mm. thought it was a bad choice. Look, I'll admit it sort of felt very Seinfeld to me, that kind of I'm telling a story. Yeah, I'm telling an epic tale. It's it's a monologue, yeah. About mundane stuff, you know. What's that line that George has, you know, the sea was... Cruel that, that day, was, my the friend. The sea was angry that day, my friend. It was 10 yeah. stories high, it was like, a foot. <laughs> yeah, like the man sending back soup or something. Yeah, and yeah. that's what that reminded me of. Look, I, <laughs> of course, listeners to this podcast know Julia Louis-Dreyfus can do no wrong, so I didn't think that was uh, that was bad at all. Uh, in all honesty, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit confused why she might be upset with some of her acting or disappointed with some of her acting in this episode. A lot of it's marvellous. I mean- the waking up late scene where she's just running around the bedroom, that was great. That's what I'm talking Yeah, that's what I'm, I was trying to get to. I was trying to stutter it out. But, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that whole bit was just marvellous. And ramping it up a notch, I mean, we've, I think we've seen Elaine be flustered, be frustrated, get sort of mm. angry-ish. And this was really taking that and cranking it up to 11 and doing a really good job with it. I thought it was, thought it was marvellous. It didn't feel like overacting. It just felt like no, someone who, was, who no. really, really wanted this person out of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've made all the. They've lasted two more days with this person. They just can't stand for no rational reason. But uh, I mean, I'm sure you've been in situations like that. Not, not you know, in terms of oh, I've got to get away from this person. But you've really been looking forward to something like, and you're almost counting down the minutes until you get there, and then it happens, and oh no. Th- there's a spanner thrown in the works. Ah! Of course you're going to go. But my, my kid won't put his shoes on. <laughs> there you go. So you're experiencing this on a daily basis pretty much. <laughs> that is a good one still. Yeah. One of my favourites. So what was your favourite moments from the busboy? As, as we just talked about, that whole sequence I thought was just, uh, just marvellous. Uh, it had a great comic energy. I thought the guy, I think his name was... I think his name was David Ballard or- Doug Ballard. Doug Ballard. I'm sorry, the guy playing mm. Ed slash Eddie. He didn't have much to do, but he was a good sort of comic foil to JLD in that scene. I mean, she's all mag energy and he's kind of like, oh, okay, oh, well, I'll just go get my- oh, Where's my jumper? And Yeah, completely oblivious to the fact that- uh, He's, Elaine he's just Ed wants- Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know- Elaine just wants him out. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I thought that whole scene was re- was really well done. Um, some other just cute little bits or moments that I enjoyed. Mm. Uh, in, when they're in the restaurant and uh, Jerry is telling George about the uh, the meeting between Elaine and Ed and mm. uh, he mentioned something about oh, the Bennis tattoo doesn't wear off that easily and JLD is kind of like, eh, on some people, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. just a, I thought was a bit sweet. And also this um, this bit at the end where Antonio hugs George, you know, because everything's gone right for Antonio. Yeah, yeah. And George just sort of pulls his face like, I'll take it. Yeah, just just a cute little bit. So yeah, there were nice little bits like that studded all the way through, but they, they were the ones that stood out for me. How about you? I really liked, so when- George is like, oh, Kramer's left the door open. And the cat's got out. He says, come help me. Come help me find the cat. <laughs> and George just gives out this pathetic, wuss, 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 wuss. <laughs> just, like, such a half-hearted look for the cat. It's, cause he's, mm. he's, it's like half fearing for his life, 
half thinking, oh, I better go help this guy. But it's just yeah. the, the acting from, from Jason there, just the puss, puss, puss. And you mentioned it earlier. I also really liked Jerry being the middleman for their conversation. And mm. the way that Jerry interprets each line in the same tone in which the person was delivering yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, what, no, he doesn't no. want to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just Jer- Jerry, whilst he didn't have much to do in this episode as a character, as an actor, seemed like he was having a lot of fun. True. One other bit that I did like, and maybe we should talk about it during the episode, but Jerry's stand-up at the very start where he's talking really about how, how he's not a foodie. I like that a lot. But it, there was also something you don't often see from Seinfeld, if ever, a bit where he's mm. not cracking up at his own bit, but he's sort of breaking character a little bit. He's talking about- Oh, really? I think he's talking about when he grabbed a roll off a, um, off oh, a tray. Grabbed a roll off the, um, off the hallway, he's, yeah. And he's saying- no, this isn't a joke. This actually happened. <laughs> and it, it looks like a real moment of sort of um, authenticity from Jerry when he's like, no, no, no this, this really happened. And um, it looks like he's got a genuine smile on his face as opposed to the game face that he always has on when he's yeah. doing his stand-up. So, I like that bit a lot as well. I thought this was the best lot of stand-up that the show's had to date. I mm. really enjoyed both, both bits of stand-up. And it was like the missing the plane one as well, I think. Yes, but we'll, yeah. But we'll get to that. But yeah, I just, I just thought the stand-up in this was- was because It'd be kind of hit and miss, just because it, some of it feels a bit dated from time to time. But yeah, I thought it was a, a solid hit here. Yeah, absolutely. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right, Mr. Davis, it is time for some trivia. Okay. And I've I- just realised- that I've yes. deleted two of my questions, so I've only got one. <laughs> I'll oh. try to think of another one whilst uh, whilst we do it. So okay, well, uh, I've got I've got four. So all right, well you ask one, and I'll try to think of a couple more whilst you ask. <laughs> okay. Um, what does Jerry describe as the pesto of cities? Fuck, that's my first question. Yeah. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Did you say what does Jerry just dis- or was George? Oh, someone describes it as the pesto of cities. Oh, maybe, thought, maybe it was Jerry. I think it was Jerry. Maybe it was. Oh, yeah, because George is complaining about the pesto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that is my first question. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, let's move on to another uh, next one quickly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to give me all of Antonio's address because they do mention a lot of it, but do you remember his apartment number? I know it's, it's 1942 or something, isn't it? Is that- is that that's- I think that's no, the street. No, no, no. no, no, no. 1324 uh, 4D 4 no 4 you had it 4D 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 yeah 4D yes <laughs> <laughs> all right do you have any in the meantime or will I give you another one what is the name of antonio's cat i was thinking you might ask this and i didn't write it down so i'm going to say perdita paquita paquita okay or p a q u i t a i'm going to say paquita 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 <laughs> what's your last question what's, what's, what's your third question I should say okay then how long did it take for Kramer's aunt's cat to return nine months three years double it yeah I, I promise I'm not cheating <laughs> no, I don't know why no. I went for nine months or three years <laughs> <laughs> not even I was about to say not even double it triple it um, <laughs> yes three years I must have had a story recently where someone's cat returned after nine months or something. Nine oh. months was just in my head. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> okay, what 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 caused the explosion? Oh, um, a, a, a gas leak, a gas main. Yeah, yeah, exploded. Yeah. 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 All right. One last question for you, and then we'll mm-hmm. move on to the review. What did Elaine pay five dollars to a cab driver for? That was a shortcut around the bandwick. Yeah, but it had a specific name. That shortcut. 
Oh, I don't know that. No, what is it? It was the Rockaway Boulevard shortcut. And of course, Mr. Davis, for people at home who don't know what the Van Wick is, let them know what it is. Because I know as a viewer, when I first watched this, I went, what the hell's a Van Wick? And I had to look it up. So what, do you know what it is? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a, a section of highway or freeway that will get you to yeah. JFK Airport. Yeah. Now, sure. one would one would hope there would be other ways to get to the airport. In fact, going by this, it sounds like there's a lot of shortcuts and detours and what have you but it sounds like the van wick is the main way that you get there and if um you know there's a something like a five car pileup, well you might miss your flight yeah definitely so it's kind of like if a simpsons fan is the matlock expressway it's just a shortcut to somewhere get to matlock Matlock. (laughs) 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 all right mr davis that is enough for trivia we're gonna take a short break right now but when we return we're gonna do our full review of the season two finale the bus boy If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can show your support by joining the family at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Here you'll get ad-free early access to all of our shows, Zoom calls with Guy and myself, as well as bonus podcasts such as Tales of Futurama and Guy on Springfield, where we go back and revisit classic episodes from the first 10 seasons. So go ahead and join the family today at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Busboy was June 26, 1991. It was written by Larry and Jerry and directed by <laughs> Tom Sharones. So, the episode kicks off with some stand-up that we discussed earlier. Yeah, he says, I'm not a foodie. Yeah, I, I love that. Just just eat your food and shut up. <laughs> that's, that's what I've written down here. Just eat it and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when I go to a restaurant with somebody and they're fussing about something that I think in my mind, it's, it's, who cares? Just eat it. It's not a big deal. Like, don't fucking make a scene. No, well, look, I, I can't get behind people making scenes in restaurants. But at the same time, if you are going out for a meal, I think you would want what you ordered. You know, and maybe it's a bit of a special occasion. So, look, don't be a, don't be an absolute penis about it, of course. But, yeah, I can understand people wanting what they want. You know, I mean, if, say your steak is cooked incorrectly if you go to Parker's. And you're paying top dollar for a park of steak. I would, yeah. I would say to them, dude. I kind of ordered this rare, and you, you've given me close to well done here. Yeah. At, at work, we deal with people who purchase very expensive statues, and people tend to complain, saying, "Oh, this person's talking about this. They're talking about that. Look at it. It's just a little mark." And I'm thinking, yeah, but if you paid five thousand dollars for this statue, yeah, you, you want, want it to fuck, be, you want it pristine. <laughs> you want pristine is exactly the right term. Because once you know that mark's there, it's fucking going to be the only thing you see whenever you look at that statue. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jerry also discusses the story of the the, the, the bill, like the check coming in the, in the booklet. <laughs> <laughs> the story of the bill. The little fair, the fairy tale of the bill. It's a, it, this is going to sound a bit dumb to say, but it's incredible how his mind works in that regard. Jerry's. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure people have probably thought this in, in their subconscious or something, or- you know, even made a little sort of offhand comment about it. It's like, oh, this is a fancy 
folder to put the bill in or something like that, but to take it and run with it and shape it and craft it and turn it into just a neat little gag like that. I don't know. It's it's pretty good. I mean, I think there's a reason Jerry Seinfeld is Jerry Seinfeld and, you know, sleeping yeah. on a pile of money surrounded by beautiful ladies or, or his wife. <laughs> so the episode kicks off with George, Elaine and Jerry out having dinner and George is discussing the, his hatred for pesto and he's confused as to why he always... Why does he always order? Why do people like pesto? What is it about pesto? And Jerry and Elaine sort of go, well, I don't get pesto. Like, I don't don't always order. (laughs) Personally, I've never been a huge fan of pesto. And now I just avoid it because of the whole nut thing because it's got nuts in it. Nicola's allergic. And now Holly's allergic to nuts, we found out as well. So, Ah, double whammy. So, no pesto in this household. But pesto has just never been a thing that's really appealed to me. What about yourself? I'm, I'm quite a fan. I mean, I've usually got a couple of jars on the go in the fridge because it's- Okay. I won't say it's- (laughs) <laughs> it's pesto night as opposed to it's burger night, which is every third night of the week. It's actually burger night here in the end of the house. Oh, Nicola's some homemade mama hamburgers. <laughs> oh, for real? Because I'm going to go make my own after we're done here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, on those nights when it's like, oh, a bowl of pasta would be nice. And yeah, I, I don't have any of my traditional homemade bolognese in the freezer, eh, but I do have a jar of pesto. Even by itself, pesto is fine, but, you know, you can also just whack in a small tin of tuna or something, mm. blah, blah, blah. And there you go. You've got a good, satisfying pasta meal. I'm all for pesto. Yeah, I'm pro-pesto. When you cook things, for example, you said pasta there, right? Yes. Do you cook a batch to last you the next two, three days, or do you just cook a standard like meal? See, I, I cook everything in batches. When it comes to pasta stuff, no, I usually just cook a, a, a pasta for one if I'm eating by myself. I cook a pasta for two if I'm eating by myself. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. I probably am cooking up double a double serve or a larger than recommended dosage. But when it say it comes to say something like a um, like a curry or another big meal like that, I'll usually yeah prepare, prepare somewhere between two and two and four uh, mm-hmm. serves. Eat one then and have three on the go for later on. What about you, listeners? Let us know. TalkingSideFout at gmail.com. Write in. What are, yeah. what are your cooking habits? Yes. Just interested Co- to know. Yes. Cooking for that meal specifically or big batch cooking. Let us know. Yes. I feel like because of lockdown at the moment. I mean, it, yes, listeners, we are still in fucking lockdown. <laughs> are we in uh, lockdown? Victoria. Melbourne we, we are in a, We're in a form of lockdown. We're not in yeah. like can't leave your house at all lockdown, but we're in a mm-hmm. you can't see anybody- you can't do this, you can't do that, you must wear a mask, kind of lockdown. Yeah. But we'll, we'll be out of this soon, it doesn't matter, we'll be out of it soon, it's all for it's all for the right reasons. It but is. anyway, so Jerry's pointing out the guy with the plugs in his hair, and he's saying, mm-hmm. this guy's definitely got transplants. I love the way that, and uh, Julie does a great job of this, the pretending to talk about something else as you go in and to have a look, because... <laughs> it's 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 you never want to be that person who just looks turns out turns their shoulder and just looks at somebody because you know they're just gonna look straight back at you and go ah fuck now I've been seen so you're yeah. also, always gonna pretend you're looking at a picture or something on the wall and that's exactly what Elaine does here <laughs> but I love that oh yeah plugola I don't think that's such an embarrassing thing anymore if, I feel like you watch a lot of things from the nineties and guys with plugs was like oh can you believe he's got plugs a guy with plugs now it's like no eh, fair dues you want yeah back, well, that's look- fair enough. I think, you know, hair replacement technology has come ahead in leaps and bounds. I would say that there are a few major American film stars who have had a bit of a bit of rug work going on. Uh, and it looks pretty good. So, um, but yeah, back in the uh, back in the 90s absolutely it sort of looked like yeah, it looked like astroturf on the top of your head. Oh, really? Okay. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> Elaine is borrowing Jerry's car. Jerry's a very generous friend. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah. Allowing her to borrow his car so she can go pick up a house guest from the airport. And he's from Seattle, the pesto of cities, as we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, she explains how she met Ed on business, on a business trip, and they shared an interpersonal experience. I like mm-hmm. this moment because as she says that, George goes, ding, yeah, that on his glass. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we get the, uh, the, the better tattoo moment that you're discussing earlier very funny stuff she she says he's going to be staying for a week it was meant to be just for the weekend but it's turned out to be a week mm. we find out later on of course that was not what she would have wanted <laughs> absolutely not no and no, no, honestly i think she was being a little too optimistic you gotta st- you, you gotta start slow <laughs> yeah yeah one or two nights at the maximum mm. so george then finds the menu on fire races over and he's an absolute hero <laughs> yeah good on him yeah, he puts it out, doesn't make a big scene, just puts it out, and he's just like, yeah, sure, no worries, mate, it's all good. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. maybe the busboy did it by accident. It's not, it's, it doesn't yeah. matter, whatever. It's all sorted now, let's move on. Ma- manager's not having any of it at yeah. all. Julia tries to defuse the situation with a bit of a joke, but oh, never eating yeah. that again. Yeah, yeah just as a, as, a, as a joke, that was meant to defuse, like you said, but it ignited it. <laughs> <laughs> and then George sees that he's being spoken to by the manager, the busboy, and he immediately feels bad. I would feel terrible as well. I would hate to think that I played oh, a role God, in a yeah. guy losing his job. I would never want to be the reason someone lost their job regardless, right? Oh, but yeah. Especially even if, if they didn't mean it. Yeah, but even if they were like a shit server, if they were, mm. if they were no good at their job, I mean, I, w- I would still not complain to the manager about it. I mean, I probably would give him a tip, but at the same time, I wouldn't say, oh, by the way, this guy was crap, unless they were genuinely, deliberately Shit house. Shitty, shitty in your food. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the extent it would have to be for me to have to actually make a scene and mm. go and point them out and go, you need to cost, you need to fire this person. And it's just, yeah. I just couldn't do it. You don't cost someone their livelihood. It's not a good thing. Yeah. But uh, Elaine's saying, you know, she can't believe it either. I was only kidding. <laughs> Jerry here. <laughs> so- I didn't say anything. Yeah, so th- th- this is the first moment where Jerry's just like sitting back. Well, I don't, I don't feel bad because I didn't say anything. <laughs> just completely, completely unfazed by all this chaos that sort of erupted. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Did I get him in trouble because of what I said? I just told him what happened. He didn't do it on purpose. He pointed at me. Why did they point at me? I said I would never eat here again, but I, I, I he had to know I was kidding. I didn't say anything. I can't believe it. He's going. He's fired. Oh, I said it in a kidding way. I, I didn't know he could fired. He'll probably kill his family over this. What if he's waiting for me outside? He pointed at me. Did you see him point? A lot of ex-cons become busboys. They seem to gravitate towards him. Was it my fault? Was it my fault? Maybe I'll try that pesto. Of course, someone like George would think he's going to be waiting outside for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably think that as well. If I cost someone their job, I'm going to be like, I need to find a secret way out of here because this guy's going to want to kill me. True. But I, one thing I like about the character of George and the way Jason Alexander mm. plays him is you can sort of see the two aspects of this. I think George would be, le- I think he feels legitimately bad that he might have cost this person his job. And he's also scared about the consequences for himself as well. Mm. It's like, Oh, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe, that, you know, oh, I got him fired? That's so terrible. I feel terrible about that. Oh, my God, he's going to take it out on me? That's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now at Jerry's apartment, George still just cannot believe it. He feels terrible. Jerry <laughs> says, don't worry about it, mate. It's no issue at all. He'll just find another job. He's a busboy. It's no big deal. He's very kind of a, 
No, he's, he's, he puts the busboys a lot this episode. Like, he's yeah, just a busboy. Yeah. Don't worry about it. He'll just find another job. He's just a busboy. I get it. I mean, mm. there are plenty of busboy jobs out there. But it's, it's the fucking guy's job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's another thing I don't like is putting someone down for their like for what they're doing is for a living. I've, I've, I remember having lunch with somebody once, one of my friends, and they're making fun of this guy for being a cleaner in like mm. the local shopping mall. And I'm like, fucking, someone has to do it, mate. Like, yeah, man. Dude's putting, uh, you know, getting bank at the end of the week and putting food on this table, getting a roof over his head. Yeah. I've got, I got no worries with how someone keeps the wolf from the door. That's, but um, in Jerry's defence, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And say that oh, I don't think he's putting the guy down for being a busboy, but I think it's more like there are plenty of busboy jobs out there. They're always revolving. He'll find another job. Don't worry about it. This is what he does. He's probably had six busboy jobs and now he's going to have a seventh. It's all right. Don't worry about it. George mentions that he was the waiter at a fat camp. Those kids <laughs> depended on <laughs> <Did> me. On. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Elaine arrives and she's managed to get the busboy's address. Doesn't really explain how. It's just she says she used her charm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, it doesn't matter. We just need to further this story along. So we get the 1324 Amsterdam Avenue apartment 4D. George then leaves to apologize, and Jerry doesn't think it's a good idea he should go alone. And he's like, just wait till I finish my set, and I'll come yeah. with you. He's like, no, no, I've got to go now. I've got to do it now. So, he suggests <laughs> that he takes the K-Man. I like that mm. name. The K-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that he takes Kramer. This is where we get Kramer and George for the first time by themselves uh, in the hallway, just outside of Antonio's apartment. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate your coming, but... Um if you wouldn't mind, try not to say too much. What am I going to say? I don't know. Well, I'm not an idiot. Certainly not. And we're cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're cool. I like the little timid knock, 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 followed by the rap, rap, rap. <laughs> Kramer just gets shit done. He's not concerned. He's like, fuck it, just fucking knock. This guy's going to be yeah. fine, mate. Let's just go in there and apologize. It's going to be all good. Don't stress. Mm. Uh, Antonio <laughs> lets them in. George nervously apologizes and tries to explain the situation, but just gets nothing in return. I would be pooping myself. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't need to be shitting pants at this stage. I was always- <laughs> I'm also a little curious. Do you th- is Kramer asking what, how do you say waterbed in Spanish? Is- do you think that's what he's asking? I'm not sure what he's saying, but it's obviously irrelevant, whatever, whatever yeah. the question is. But he says waterbed. Was there a bed in that room? Was it a one-room apartment? I don't think it was a one-room apartment. Maybe you're saying, is that a waterbed? I can't remember whether the bed was in that one room or not. Because I, I know he started with, a, you know, hablo, es, hablo España or mm. Espanol. Hablo Espanol. Do you speak Spanish? And then I think he's like, I thought he was asking... How do you say waterbed in Spanish? Oh, <laughs> no. maybe. Yeah. And maybe. Well, I should get I should get Nicola to watch this because Nicola can speak fluent Spanish. Oh, for real? Mm. Oh, what a what a, a fun new development. Oh. <laughs> oh. How can I how can I use this to my benefit? <laughs> <laughs> that's a oh, that's a great skill to have. I wish I spoke a foreign language. I don't. I used to be able to speak a bit of German. I still know a little bit. <laughs> like the, I know a little German. There he is over there. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you want to explain what that's from, just in case one of the listeners out there doesn't know what it's from? <laughs> uh, there's a terrific comedy called Top Secret uh, from the makers of Flying High. 
and uh, set during World War II. It's a sort of a piss take on spy movies. And at one point, uh, the hero says, oh, I don't speak any German. And the heroine says, oh, that's all right. I know a little German. There he is over there. And she cut to this. <laughs> I think it's it's either a very short person or a legitimate little person in like later hosing. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic gag. <laughs> anyway, let's move on with more fantastic gags from Seinfeld as opposed to other projects. <laughs> but as you say, Kramer's just chiming in with speaking to Spanish and whatnot. Asked for a drink of water and Josh is like, mate, I want to get out of here. Why are you, why are you asking for water? Don't, let's not stay. He's like, don't worry, mate. It's all fine. It's all fine. And this is where Antonio realizes that his cat's gone missing. Mm. And he finds the door open and he starts just unleashing in Spanish. So, I like that. I don't feel like many shows would have allowed someone to speak a foreign language on a mm. popular sitcom American TV as much as what Antonio does here. True. I, I know Spanish is a, is a popular language in America still, yeah. but it's like, as a viewer, you're like, I know, I've, I have no idea what he's actually saying, but I know he's angry. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it's good because you, the audience is sort of thrust into as much sort of confusion and a bit of dismay as much as George is. Like, what is this guy saying? I, I don't know what he's saying, but he's clearly angry. And you know, if I knew what he was saying, maybe I could reason with him. But I don't know what he's saying. Ah, yeah. <laughs> but that's why they. I think that's why they had uh, Kramer just before he starts really unleashing, saying his cat's missing. Mm. <laughs> Can't find his cat. So just the viewers go, oh, okay. So that's what he's. That's what uh, he's yelling yeah. about. Even though we don't know what he's actually saying. Yeah. But he points out, you know, he says, "Who left the door open?" I thought this <laughs> would have been even more perfect because you, the, the, the stare from Kramer and George here who opened the door they're just both like uh, mm. I thought it would have been good if just suddenly George was pointing at Kramer without Kramer noticing <laughs> just like, yeah. pointing, like p- pointing like that <laughs> just felt like, it feels like a very George thing to do just making sure just making you aware it was it was him mm. not, not me so he says come, come help me find this cat uh, we come back and they're all still sitting around the table now dwelling about the loss of the cat and Kramer's just talking for the sake of talking it's not helping the situation at all. Yeah. Like just, just stop, Kramer. Enough's enough. Mm. He goes to walk out, breaks the lamp. George apologizes once again to Antonio, who's just giving them absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they leave as Kramer's just trying to fix up the lamp, but it, it breaks once again. George is now on the phone to Jerry, panicking. and Because <laughs> he, he, he's panicking because he knows where he lives. Like, how does he know where he lives? You gave me a business card? Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did like that bit about, you know, yeah, it's been a week, it's up to the cat now. <laughs> That's a great line, isn't it? It's up to the cat now. Uh, Jerry is now the middleman of this conversation. And as I mentioned earlier, I just love the way he just, he was acting George. Mm. He's delivering each line the same way George would have been. Yeah, very yeah. funny stuff. Kramer, George wants to know when you want to go look for the cat again. <laughs> no, it's been a week. It's up to the cat now. <laughs> Kramer says it's up to the cat now. It'll be on your conscience. Oh, how do you figure? How do you figure? Because you're the one who left the door open. Why was I in charge of closing the door? Why was he in charge of closing the door? Because you came in after him. So? So? So the last person in should close the door. Let me talk to him. Talk, call him from your house. He's calling you now. Elaine then arrives for the keys again because she needs to get Ed out of her life. Uh, you know, he's a wonderful guy, but I hate it his guts. guts. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's, it's very believable, isn't it? Because there's some people who, you know, they're just lovely people, but mm. I've just had enough of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible how 
you know, emotions work in that regard. Oh, you know, there's someone that you've just feel this incredible connection with, but you don't have any connection with, or someone who's completely great on paper and just doesn't work in real for real at all. It's a yeah, incredible how that works. There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, a lot of good stuff from Julia Louis Dreyfus in this episode. But something I really dug is when she comes sort of running into the apartment. She's all flustered, all distracted. That felt very real to me, and that. Um, she sort of runs off to the bathroom immediately to get some uh, aspirin or something like that. And, mm. you know, everyone's saying hello to her and she's sort of like, no, 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 I've got to do this. And then in the middle of it, hello. <laughs> um, God knows how many times I've done something like that where, you know, you've I've got no time to talk now. I'm sorry. I need to do this, 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 and this. Hello, hello. <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to- yeah, hi, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to completely throw all the social niceties overboard, but, you know- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the way they had Elaine just say, I said I've had my period for the last five days. Like, <laughs> that's not a bad thing to say on TV, but just would have. I don't think it would have been a very common thing to say on television in 1991. I don't think so, no. No. And- but but it, was just, it was nice. It was just very real. It's kind of like a, 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 an easy go-to excuse that I think a lot of women probably do use, and it's perfectly <laughs> fine to use it, but you don't, very, you don't often hear... Women on TV actually just being real like that. True. Which I, I just really enjoyed it. And I think it also indicates uh, the degree of comfort that Elaine feels with Jerry as well, that she's That's sort true. of yeah. happy to say something like that uh, yeah. to him. Yeah. Uh, she says there's only 14 hours to go. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Mm. Uh, she, you know, the, the van we can cause issues, but don't worry. Um, I paid the cabbie $5 and he's given me the, the shortcut. What's the name of the shortcut again, Mr. The, Davis? The Rockaway Boulevard Shortcut. The Rockaway Boulevard shortcut. She's even bought a new alarm clock that's going to slap her in the face if she <laughs> sleeps through. Unfortunately, the alarm clock does not slap her in the face. That is correct. Now, mm. it's immediately after that scene that we cut to Elaine's apartment. Well, we get a bit of, of stand up first about missing the plane. And of course, I, what I liked about this was that you know, if you miss the plane, that's it. You missed the plane. There's no mm. one there with a cannon just going. <laughs> <laughs> I like the particular yeah. one of. All right. Here, uh, this way, you want to go to Dallas, right? So, you're going to land somewhere in Texas, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, then we get Elaine waking up and it's it's late. They wake up at 9.15, I think. So, very late when the plane's at, at 10. And, uh, yeah, Ed just doesn't know what to do. Elaine's just running around like a maniac. <laughs> this is not how I pictured Elaine Bennis living. Her room is not how I pictured Elaine's yeah, life. That's very true. <laughs> you, you, I, I guess I see her more anal when it comes to cleaning than this, for sure. A little, yeah. I mean, it looks very much like our bedrooms. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah. I, of course, listeners know about my enduring crush on JLD. I was looking at her in this, going, "How old is Julie Louis Dreyfus here? How old was she when she made Seinfeld?" I looked it up, and she would have been thirty or even twenty-nine when she uh, really when she, that young. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then had to think. Oh well, okay. So Elaine is in her late twenties. No, this still looks like, you know, it looked like you'd have your act a little bit more together, even if, you know, I don't know. But, but <laughs> maybe it's a case of, though, she has her apartment well kept, well put together, because that's what people see. But then, you know, when she's in her uh, bedroom, it's just like, you know, that's her chance to sort of let loose and not have to worry so much, you know. Good point. I don't good know. I'm just, I'm just trying to cover up for her mess, that's all. <laughs> oh, we, look, still, we it, still love her. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, cr- the crush remains. <laughs> Up. The alarm didn't go off. It's 9.15. You're going to miss the plane. It's 9.15. 9.15? Yeah. 9.15? Yeah. We'll never make it. I'll leave tomorrow. Tomorrow? Are you crazy? No. Now, now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You get dressed. You get dressed. 
a shower? Shower? You have your mind? Well, I got a shower. I don't feel dirty all day. No, forget the shower. The shower's out. Just move it. Put your clothes on. Put your clothes on. Where are you going? I'm in the kitchen. The kitchen? I got a bag of cashews in there. Put your pants on. What's the big deal? If we don't you make it, I'll just go tomorrow or the next day. No, you have your ticket. You have to go now. We'll never make it. Don't say that. Well, it takes 45 minutes to get... It takes 45 minutes to get there. That'll only leave me five minutes to get to the plane. Shut up and pack! And then what if I don't make the plane? You'll have already left then. What do I do? You're talking too much. Where's my sweater? What? My brown sweater. What, what sweater? My brown sweater. But you didn't wear the brown sweater. I got a brown sweater. Here, here. You want a sweater? You want a brown sweater? You got a brown sweater. That's not mine. I can't take your sweater. It's brown! <laughs> what are you doing? No, there's no time for folding. There's no time for folding. I think that's it. My shoes. You packed my shoes. Shoes? 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 Shoes were invented until the fourth century. We've been watching around for thousands of years without George is discussing with Jerry how he can you give him a street or whatever, and he can tell you the best public toilet anywhere mm. in the city, which was something that was referred to in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, they revamped it for uh, for Curb. Yeah, I, I don't, how many years later? Probably ten, fifteen years later or something. Yeah, the, uh, probably at least that, oh, if not more, because it wasn't two thousand and one. It would have been probably yeah, fifteen years if not more. Yeah. But I love I love the yeah, mention my name. She'll give you the key. <laughs> <laughs> It's all we talk about this with Homer occasionally on four finger discount and it's the yeah. same with George. It's always good when a when a character you regard as a bit of a doofus and a bit of a loser has an area of expertise and they're just so confident in it. And and justifiably so. I mean George clearly knows his shit, no pun intended, when it comes to public toilets. He's <laughs> it's like, No, you go here. No, it's this place. Oh, best in town. It's like Wow, I'm going to listen to this guy. He really knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's all in the delivery as well. You'll be very confident. And George mm. is very confident with things like that. Yeah. I think with George, it's a lot of it's perception. Yeah. He, he may not know he may not know a lot of things. He might not be he might not have a level of expertise, but he perceives that he does. His whole life yeah. being perceived <laughs> as knowing what he's talking about. Yeah. Elaine enters here, I've just got here, somewhat disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's seen some shit. She's been through some shit. And she tells the epic story of her journey to JFK. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, I, I mean, I don't understand why she didn't like it. I, I guess a true professional is always critiquing themselves. They always find faults. Uh, a true professional is never 100% happy with, with their yes. work. They're always going to try and improve. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was very good. I, I don't think we've... Oh, maybe we've had one other moment where... Yes, I think it was when she was discussing having a fight with the guy for... Not talking to her in the hallway. Okay. Was that an argument? Remember, she, when she, a guy, they used to say hello, and then he just gave her the nod, and then he, oh, still, he yeah. completely ignored her, and then they had a big argument, and she was telling this epic sort of story there, an epic rant. This is like another so. one of those, but she doesn't get many, many of them up to this point, uh, Julia. But I thought, I thought she was good. The the blank stare though. Now that she's pointed it out, I yeah, it was kind of didn't need to be there. I was going so well, <laughs> and then it happened. I guess it kind of does feel like overacting a little bit, but as you said, it's just how things sort of roll on Seinfeld at times. Mm. They they really overplay stories like this. The, the stuff that's not that extravagant, they make seem yeah. like it's the they, biggest yeah, deal. They really world. blow out of all proportion. Yeah, mm. but um, I still enjoyed it anyway. So, but I but as she points out though, 
He missed the plane. So he's there for another couple of days. I never knew I could drive like that. I was going faster than I've ever gone before, and yet it all seemed to be happening in slow motion. I was seeing three and four moves ahead, weaving in and out of lanes like an Olympic skier on a gold medal run. I knew I was challenging the very laws of physics. At Queens Boulevard, I took the shoulder. At Jewel Avenue, I used the median. I had it. I was there. And then, I hit the Van Wick. They say no one's ever beaten the Van Wick. But gentlemen, I tell you this. I came as close as anyone ever has. And if it hadn't been for that five-car pile-up on Rockaway Boulevard, that numbskull would be on a plane for Seattle right now instead of looking for a parking space downstairs. Kramer then walks in and says, the bus boy's coming, the bus boy's coming. George <laughs> shits his pants. <laughs> he's coming for me. It's over. He panics. Uh, you know, He's coming to settle the score. I love that term, settle the score. Score. Hmm. If, if someone's coming to settle the score with you, you know you're in trouble. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so he explains to George, uh, George Antonio walks in, you saved his life because the restaurant that where he worked exploded. The person mm. that replaced his job uh, took his role actually died in the explosion. Yeah, five so people died big, in the explosion. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sad. Um, gives him a big hug and says, you know, thank you so much. Also says once he was out looking for a job or looking for his cat, the cat came back. So <laughs> like, when he went out looking for a cat, he found another job, pays twice as much. When he got home, the cat was there. So it's all working out for Antonio. <laughs> Now, is it at that moment you hear like a bit of applause from the audience? Yes, yes. Yeah, which is Not- really unexpected because, I mean, you know, it was a bit of a thing on on sitcoms, particularly those filmed before a live studio audience, that, you know, when you you wouldn't always just hear laughter. You'd hear, oh, when the cute character showed up or woo, when, you know, the audience favourite showed up or when there was some kind of, moment that warranted applause, you'd hear clap, clap, clap from the audience. And Seinfeld wasn't really that kind of show. I mean, it was really just laughs. You wouldn't hear, oh, when, you know, someone did something cute because no one did anything cute. (laughs) No, we know the lesson, well, the the motto of Seinfeld, no hugging, no learning. So, yeah, it was a little unusual for me to hear the audience going, Yay, the Seinfeld crew, you know, caught a break for a change. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> I um, I remember hearing that now, but it didn't actually dawn on me. But you're right, because Larry's a stickler for it, because he hated when the fans or the crowd would clap and holler when Kramer entered the room. He didn't want that. Yeah. Because it would cut away from the fact that they, they, they couldn't speak until the crowd had died down. Mm. I guess in that moment there, it, it kind of filled the awkward pause because they- they were just sort of looking at each other going, wow, I can't believe that happened. So, I guess yeah. that's why I lifted in. But I can imagine Larry being like, stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but, yeah, so he's um he's turned Antonio's life around by getting him fired in the end. But then he sees Ed out in the hallway and they have a bit of a kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. They all crash down the stairs. Cuts them at Monk's. Um, Antonio's lost his job again, but at least he's got his cat back. So, at least yes. that's one thing. But so, Ed's now 
um, going to be staying longer as well because he can't feed himself. So Elaine has to feed Ed. George has to feed Antonio's cat. They've both got jobs. They both walk out sad. Jerry, though, his life's still fine. He's still sweet. How you doing? Hey, how you doing on the bus? (laughs) Jerry's got it right. That's the the majority of the interaction you want to have with your server. Just having a a good day? Cool. Good. (laughs) Same with the cabbie. It's like, I don't want want a a conversation here. You're doing well? That's great to hear. Now be quiet. (laughs) Busy day? Hectic? Good. All right. I'm I'm on my phone now. (laughs) No offense, dude, but no. (laughs) We end with some stand-up about boxing. He doesn't understand boxing because there's no prior argument. It's just two guys fighting for nothing. But we do have prior arguments sometimes in press conferences and stuff, but I I get what he's going for. So, all in all, that is The Bus Boy. That is season two of Seinfeld. (gasps) A really fun fun way to end the season. Didn't feel like a a finale. It just felt like another Seinfeld episode, but a really entertaining one. I liked... I like the way that they intertwined all the stories. I probably could have probably could have done without Ed and Antonio having that fight out in the hallway, but I guess it was a way to bring the stories together. I don't know. But I just yeah. thought that every character had a role to play. Kramer didn't really have a story about Kramer, but he was involved with the yes. stories. And um, I, I liked an episode that wasn't so Jerry-centric as well. Yeah, I agree. I think what Jerry brought to the table in this was very much in keeping with his skill sets, you know, a bit of sarcasm, bit mm. of a bit of mischief. Yeah, enjoyable. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. All right, Mr. Davis, it is now time for some Talking Seinfeld mailbag before we wrap up season two of the show. For real? Some questions okay. sent here. Yeah, so if you've got some questions, send them through to talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Also, don't forget to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Check us five stars, leave a few kind words. We will read out every review that comes through on Apple Podcasts or mm-hmm. whatever app you listen to the show. Just send us a review on there. Let us know that you've done so and we'll read out your review as well. We do appreciate all of your support listening to the show. All right, Mr. Davis, first question here comes from Henry Ascot. If you could have dinner with Kramer, Jerry, or George, who would you choose and why? Why is Elaine in this? Get together, Henry? Because, yes. <laughs> because I would probably get together. I, I think because Henry knows you choose Julia anyway. So, I, I, of, I, of, the three, <laughs> of the three men, Kramer, Jerry, George. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the characters as opposed to the actors. The characters, um, yes, the characters. Probably George. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For what reasons? I, I do you think it'd be? Do you think it'd be an entertaining conversation? I think it would be entertaining. entertaining. I, you ever had a, an an occasion when you've got together with a friend and all you've done is gripe about your lives? You've just vented about everything that's gone wrong. I mean, yep. and not even in a bad way. Like, oh, woe is me. It's just like, and then this fucking guy did this. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling you could do that with George. It wouldn't even be one of those things where he's going, mm-hmm, listening and, you know, providing sage advice or anything. He'd be, he'd be listening, but all the time he'd be thinking about his own thing to respond with. You know, it's like, yeah. you think that's bad? How about this? What happened to me? <laughs> so- uh, and I think I, I think George is the most relatable character of the three for me. And I think if you, cause yeah. if you go out with Jerry, Jerry would also be up for doing the same thing, but he'd also be trying to be funny all the time, where George yes. would just be up for just fucking- complaining <laughs> yes so that that's the reason that i would want to have dinner with george i think that i think that would be fun <laughs> how about you kramer would have some stories i think i'd choose george as well i don't think i'd want to go to dinner with jerry but i think kramer would have some fun stories you, if you're going for a night on the town you're going with kramer every day of the week in my opinion yes kramer's just got no filter he's just out to have a great time you're gonna end up in some weird bar in koreatown 
with yeah. Kramer. <laughs> Somewhere you'd <laughs> never gone. Yeah. I mean, his, his slogan is, here's to having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question here. Jacinta Powell, have you ever made a scene at a restaurant or asked for food to be taken back? And what was it? Hmm. Nicola is notorious for having food taken back because the problem with Nicola is she she can't look at a menu and just order food off the fucking menu. It's going to be <laughs> a parmi with barbecue sauce. Oh, it's she's a- something with this. It's going to be, can you take this out and put that in there? She's Sally from and- When Harry Met Sally. She's wanted yeah. on the side. <laughs> every single time there's going to be, not every time, but a lot of times there's always something different. And not every time she sends something back. But the thing is, though, she's very good at getting free meals. Because okay. <laughs> I, I, I will give it to Nicola. I, I sound like I'm putting it down. A lot of the time when she's sending food back, it's actually quite valid. Like she'll say, I want oh, your yeah. steak cooked medium or whatever, and it comes back bloody. And she's like, well, that's not really what I asked for. you know. And mm. so, Or she'll say, I want double cheese or whatever. And there's one slice of cheese. And I'm like, so you've charged me for double cheese. Yeah, I want double cheese. <laughs> well, what, what did <laughs> we say can- earlier? I mean, yeah, get, if you're going out to a restaurant, you're paying more for everything. Yeah. Get what you want. Get what you ask for. Don't be a dick about saying- No, no. Don't, I, I've done it a couple of times as well. You're never rude about it. It's, you always feel no, bad. It's like, oh, look, I'm really sorry, but I really yeah. would prefer it if you did this, please. And I think if you if you handle it like that, the waiters yeah. don't mind. They're willing to go, all right, yeah, cool, cheers, my apologies. But if you go, look, mm. fuck, mate, I ordered this. Why have I got this? They go, well, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these people haven't seen Fight Club and knows what goes on in kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> Final question here from Scott Benson. What has been your favourite episode from season two? Oh, wow. Well, let's get the season two lineup. I think the deal was up there for me. Deal was a great one. Deal was indeed a great one. I like the Chinese restaurant a lot. Oh, yes, Chinese restaurant, of course. Yeah, Chinese restaurant and the deal probably. So we've got, okay, so I'll read them out to you. The ex-girlfriend, the robbery, the pony remark, the jacket. Jacket was very funny. Jacket was good. The the apartment, the statue, the revenge, the deal, the baby shower, the Chinese restaurant and the busboy. I think Chinese restaurant is number one for me, a close second Mm. being the deal. Two very different episodes. Uh, both both could be number one for different reasons. I just liked the the absurdity of the Chinese restaurant and how unique it is and how unique it was to be doing an episode on a major sitcom at the time. Yeah. You know, just literally in real time. I thought it was, yeah, Chinese restaurant was incredible. What about yourself? You think Chinese restaurant? What Dando said, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is season two of Talking Seinfeld. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Each and every week, we do appreciate your support. As I said, mm. please continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want this show early, you can get early access by being a four-figure discount patron. You get, you'll find the link in the description of this podcast. It's just patreon.com slash four-figure discount. You don't just get early access to this show. Get early access to going down to South Park. If you like South Park, get early access to four-figure discount. Our Simpsons podcast, get early access to the one about friends, the podcast I do with my wife, Nicola, discussing every episode of Friends, mm-hmm. as well as a bunch of exclusive movie review podcasts. This month, we did Black Widow. Uh, we did Shaun of the Dead. We're going to do Pulp Fiction as well, and a bunch of other exclusive uh, podcast that you'll find on our Patreon page. For as little as $1 per month, you also get access into our Four Finger Discount Patreon group, which is where all Four Finger Discount patrons are in part of a community on the Facebook and on a group on there, and we get to banter with each and every one of you on a daily basis. It's just a good time. We love chatting to each and every one of you. It's just the simplest, easiest way to chat with you all. Um, so, yeah, the, the community on Facebook is a great thing to be a part of. So, for as little as $1, you can be a part of that. 
And uh, yeah, so one dollar per month at patreon.com slash discount. Don't forget to please continue to send your questions as well through to talkingsignfat at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a question. It can also just be a, hey guys, enjoy the show kind of message. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. But thank you so much again for your support. We've made it all the way through season two. Let's bring on season three. First episode of season three, The Note. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Indeed, you have been listening to Talking Seinfeld, the pesto of podcasts. Thank you.